Okay, friends, I'm going to suggest we start a new Catholic trend. You know how popular those WWJD rubber wristbands were for a while? Maybe you've still got one. WWJD, if you don't know, stands for What Would Jesus Do? And it's meant to help us pause in our circumstances and act according to God's will. Well, I've got a new acronym I think we should start putting on wristbands, on T-shirts, on bumper stickers. I'll let you know what it is coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Well, good morning. And to our friends on the East Coast, good early afternoon. Happy Friday and welcome to The Inner Life, where we're hoping to encourage and inspire you to live out your Catholic faith today. My name is Patrick Conley. So the acronym I have in mind is PHDW. PHDW. What does it stand for? Pray, hope, and don't worry. I mean, what a great exhortation. One I know that I at least need to be reminded of multiple times throughout each day. And when I remember to do just that, pray, hope, and don't worry, I am reminded that whatever troubles I'm facing, large or small, God's got this. I'm sure you probably know that I didn't come up with the phrase, pray, hope, and don't worry. Rather, it's the iconic quote from St. Padre Pio. The longer version of the quote is this, pray, hope, and don't worry. Worry is useless. God is merciful and will hear your prayer. Whether you have a deep devotion to St. Padre Pio or if you're just learning about him, you'll want to hear today's show because this man of God turned holy saint whose memorial is tomorrow, by the way, has great things to teach us. We're talking about St. Padre Pio and how to live out his famous exhortation, Pray, Hope, and Don't Worry. It's simple, but not necessarily easy. Joining us as our spiritual director today is Father John Paul Erickson, a priest of the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis and pastor of Transfiguration Catholic Church in Oakdale, Minnesota. Welcome back, Father. Good to be with you again. Thanks, Patrick. Always a blessing. Grateful to talk about this really quite remarkable saint and his wonderful exhortation. I uh, I think you're right. I'll, I'll buy one of those wristbands if you get them made. I uh, send one my way. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna ask you if you would wear one, Father, but I didn't want to put you on the spot having to say no. You said you'd buy I'm one. Though. You didn't say you'd wear I'm it. All in. You know. You know what? Maybe even maybe even make a headband. Maybe maybe we could have headbands. That'd be good. So not not only you know would we see it when we're putting on, but other people would see it. That would be important Amen. too. So. All right, and ask about it. It'd be like uh, it'd be like ashes on Ash Wednesday. People would be asking That's about exactly. it. Exactly. Get to share exactly. the faith. Yeah, good idea. Yeah. All right, there we go. All right, I like it. Okay, so we'll we'll see what we can do. I'll get in touch with uh, relevant radio production <laughs> there and see what we can do. Well, Just remember uh, me, Patrick, when you make your fortune. Remember me. Remember me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I stand to make millions of dollars. Oh wait. Probably more like hundreds of dollars. Anyway, Father, <laughs> Father, we will be uh, we'll be talking about Saint Padre Pio and this great exhortation. Pray, hope, and don't worry. But uh, I'm always learning more about this great saint. It seems like he's kind of crept up on me throughout my Catholic life. I didn't learn a lot about him, but it's he's continuing to be more and more present in my life. Why don't you introduce us to this great saint, Father? 
Yeah, very happy to do so. So Pio of Petrolicina, uh, Pio was his religious name. Petrolicina was the little Italian farm village that he grew up in. He was a Capuchin friar, obviously Italian. Capuchins, for those who may not know, it's kind of a version of the Franciscans. And uh, uh, Pio was such a Franciscan. He was a son of St. Francis, living a spirit of poverty and of deep love for Jesus, especially Jesus crucified. And St. Pio... Uh, he was especially known, and he lived in the 20th century, excuse me, he was especially known for a couple of things. One was he was a stigmatist. And what this means is that he bore the marks of, of the Lord's passion on his body. His hands uh, had, had the signs of the crucifixion, his feet did as well, uh, and he bore that. And as I understand, he's actually the only, the only uh, priest of the Catholic Church's history that has ever borne the stigmata, which is a u- pretty unique thing in and of itself. Obviously, yeah. St. Francis had the stigma, uh, stigmata, excuse me, uh, but he was not a priest, but, but Pio was. Another feature of his life, uh, Patrick, was that he was a remarkable confessor. And so uh, many, many people flocked to him. And in fact, many of the stories about his popularity, I would say, are quite similar to St. John Vianney, this kind of simple man who became um, really a magnet for people seeking God's grace and mercy. And Padre Pio had spent hours in the confessional uh, hearing confessions and offering counsel, sometimes very challenging counsel, sometimes counsel of great uh, encouragement and mercy. And then finally, you know, a, a part of his life that is relatively unknown, I think, by many people, was that he actually established a hospital. Uh, he set up a hospital in Italy that still exists, uh, and he had a deep desire to be of service to the poor, and especially those who were without medical care, those who were kind of on the margins. And my understanding is that hospital is still quite active in Italy and acknowledged as really a great hospital in Italy, and it still has as one of its goals the service, especially the destitute and the poor. So um, he was a, a man who bore the marks of Jesus. He was a man who preached the gospel of Jesus, especially in the confessional, and a man who really practiced what he preached in not only spiritual counsel, but also committed to the corporal works of mercy, which I sometimes think is forgotten with all the emphasis on the miraculous parts of his life. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I know that he is very familiar, was very familiar with suffering, not just from the stigmata, mm. of course, but um, had some pretty debilitating illness, uh, as I understand yes. it, throughout his life as well. And, uh, and that's what propelled him, really. I mean, that, that motivated him because he is actually, uh, you know, he gives up his suffering for the redemption of souls. Mm. He unites it to Christ's suffering. And what a great example there. No, amen. And and actually, Patrick, I'm thrilled that you brought that up, because that, I think, needs to be emphasized more. You know, one of the reasons, I think, uh, that St. Padre Pio is so popular is because there are so many miracles attributed to him, and, and his, his life is his life is kind of shrouded in this in this aura of of, of, of God's obvious action in the world in a way that we're perhaps not real familiar with in our day-to-day life. Sometimes people can think of, as I have, Padre Pio is kind of like a Catholic Jedi. You know, he's, he's got the robes of Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> yeah. and you know, waving right. his arms about and reading souls. And, and that's all well and good, but I think Padre Pio would be the first to tell you the reason why he's canonized the saint is not because he had a stigmata. It's not because he could read souls. It's not because he occasionally would bilocate. The reason we honor him as a saint is because he loved Jesus, and part of that love gave him the courage and the strength, and indeed even the desire to suffer for love. 
And he really did suffer a lot, as you rightly point out. Not only was he quite a sickly child and throughout his life suffered from a number of very debilitating illnesses and some very humiliating. You know, here's a man who, who wants to be a, a friar and is unable to fulfill some of those duties because his body just can't do it. Uh, but also a great deal of spiritual suffering. He was the he was the focus of a number of investigations conducted by the Vatican itself during yeah. his during his life because uh, and I and I think this was you know, honestly, I think this was wise in the part of the Vatican uh, and the part of the Holy See. When we're dealing with miraculous phenomenon and spiritual phenomenon that's unexplainable, it is far too easy for everyone, clergy, faithful, everyone, to become hyper-focused on that rather than what these things point to, and that is the interior reality. Padre Pio himself, you know, he always subjected himself with humility and love to authentic investigations and to when when he knew when he knew okay this this person coming to investigate me and my work and my my celebration of sacraments has the mandate of, of the holy see or the local bishop he was all in and he would subject yeah. himself to really humiliating evaluations he certainly could be curt in those cases where people would come to talk to him that did not have those um you know, those, those credentials from on high. But it's just a reminder uh, of another incredibly important and often overlooked point of his life. He was a man of great obedience. He was a man who subjected himself to the lawful authority, even when he didn't agree with it, even when he, he questioned it, even when it put himself really out. And uh, But he subjected himself to it. And that's a an incredibly important part of his life and his witness. He was a man who suffered well. I say it again, he suffered well. And it is right that we honor him now. Uh, not, again, not first and foremost because he's some great miracle worker, that's beautiful and important, but mostly because he teaches us how to suffer well and because he points us to that great virtue of hope, which is so connected to that wonderful saying of his, pray hope and don't worry. Yeah, yeah, and we will be diving deeper into that. We're talking about and honoring St. Padre Pio today on The Inner Life. His memorial is tomorrow, and uh, specifically we're talking about his iconic phrase, pray, hope, and don't worry, and we're going to talk about how to in- incorporate prayer, hope, and a lack of anxiety, a lack of worry into our lives uh, on his his exhortation here as we go on with our spiritual director, Father John Paul Erickson. If you have a devotion to St. Padre Pio, if you have a way that he has really come through for you in uh, in some pretty amazing or tough times. He's helped you to suffer well, perhaps, or maybe you have questions about his life or how to better pray, how to better hope, and how better to put worry aside. Give us a call. Join the conversation. 888-914-9149 is our phone number here at The Inner Life. 888-914-9149. Or you can send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Well, Father, I, I think, too, it's important to emphasize his suffering and suffering well and his obedience. I really appreciate that you brought that up because I was curious about that as well. Um, because, you know, we we oftentimes get accused of, and sometimes rightly so, of kind of whitewashing the lives of the saints. Like, um, I mean, mm-hmm. Padre Pio was reputably... Uh, he would he would actually levitate from time to time, as I understand yeah. it. But yeah. Uh, yeah. but you know we tend to paint our saints as that that's what the way they went through whole of life. You know they could never be touched by suffering. They could never be touched by uh, any kind of worldly misfortune or anything like that. Well, Padre Pio certainly had that, as did all of our saints. I know, but specifically, he's a great example of this suffering, this uh, this hope in the midst of yeah some pretty tr- terrific trials. 
That's right. You know, one one book that's been particularly important for me, and I admit to you, it, it's been a while since I read it. I was given as a gift when I was in college a collection of his letters to his spiritual director, Father Benedetto, and it really it it, it indicates obviously the heart of the man and. And he says explicitly he has a desire to offer himself as a, as, a, as a victim, to offer himself as a victim soul for others out of love, to take upon himself the sufferings not only of Christ, but of his brothers and sisters. But he did that because he loved God. He did that because he had a deep, burning love for Jesus. And that love um, will allow us to endure a great deal. Without love... Um, you know, this uh, this obviously references that saying again. Without love, there is no hope. Without love, there is no there's no possibility of enduring the trauma of life. Let alone the extraordinary challenges that Padre Pio met. Uh, just the the daily disappointments and things. If we don't constantly remind ourselves of the great tender love of God, um, who shows that love sometimes in very challenging ways, it, it will be too much. And um, Padre Pio is, 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 again, just such a, a magnificent example of a lesson we need now more than ever. Uh, I might have mentioned this before in one of the shows, Patrick. It's, it's, a, it's a major bugaboo of mine or a theme of mine. Sure. We have a lot of wonderful materials uh, for evangelization these days, wonderful, and they're important and they're good. But one part of evangelization that I think is oftentimes overlooked is how do we as individual Christians suffer? Do we suffer well? Especially, by the way, those sufferings that, that God allows in our life. Now, you know, we can bring a lot of suffering into our own life because we're jerks or because we're, we're you know, sure. blind of heart. Uh, we inflict our own pain upon ourselves. But there's also physical illness. There's, there's disappointments of life, the failures of others, uh, challenges at work that we really can't control. These are things that the Lord allows to form us and to shape us. And those are times, I think, especially when we should cry to Padre Pio, help me to suffer well, because I know God is doing something here for my good. I cannot see it. I cannot see it. But I know he's doing something good. He's, he's, if you will, stigmatizing me here. I am bearing the wounds of Christ in my own life in this particular way, and I willingly offer it up for the glory of God and the salvation of souls. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what a great connection, Father. I, I hadn't really even thought of it this way, but uh, bearing the wounds of Christ ourselves, that even if we are not blessed with the stigmata, which so far I have not been, um, <laughs> but still, I, I may, I may well be able to bear Christ's wounds in uh, in yet another way, right? In the in the sufferings that I do uh, suffer. Yeah, and I, sh- I should point out, too, I think it's an important point. It's not as though Padre Pio really gloried in that stigmata. I- I mean, I'm not suggesting you said that, but, you know, we find in his writings, again, especially to his spiritual director, he did not like having it. I mean, it, it, he, he, right. it, it, was, it was a source of great embarrassment for him. What I mean by that is that it draw undue attention to him. It, it made him a kind of a, a church a, you know, a church circus freak. I mean, right, kind of, you know, right, yeah. let's go look at the, at, the, at the crazy monk out in the hills. And, and if we're honest, and, and I, I would imagine, Patrick, this might be some of what explains some of what's been recorded to be some of Padre Pio's slightly more curt or, or less affirming, uh, you know, statements to people in moments of frustration. I mean, 
I can't imagine what that would be like. You're, you, you, all these people are coming to go to confession to you and, and, to, and to hear your wisdom. All that's beautiful and good. But, you know, you just want to pray. You, you just want to go and celebrate Mass. You want to go work with the poor. And now you're the celebrity figure who is also looked upon as, you know, this anomaly with, with bleeding hands. Right. And it wasn't something which was, which was a pleasant thing for him. And I, and I, I think that's an important thing. He, he, he saw it as, as part of God's plan, and he accepted it, but it was not an easy thing. Um, mm. And I, that's, that, that's, I think, an important explanation to what happened. It's just another way in which the Lord invited Padre Pio into his own sufferings, into Christ's own humiliations, into his own experience of misunderstanding. Hmm. Yeah, so very good. We're talking about St. Padre Pio here on The Inner Life Today, and specifically we'll get into pray, hope, and don't worry. What does that mean to our spiritual lives? But let's take a phone call. San Juanita calling in from San Juan, Texas. Uh, Glad that she could call back. San Juanita, I know you called yesterday, and we asked you to call back today because I think you have a story about about St. Padre Pio, yeah? Absolutely. We just, um, he is our family friend and saint that oversees us. And we, I just uh, felt compelled to call in and share the great witness of what it is for the intercession and what we have grown uh, spiritually as a family. Um, mm-hmm. Back in 2000, my brother Juan was diagnosed with uh, colon cancer. Um, mm-hmm. And it was in August. And within a few weeks, it, a doctor determined it was a stage four. Uh, and we were called in, and they did an MRI, and he says, this, this tumor seems to be very big, and it's very possible that we can't remove it. Mm. But as soon as, uh, but we're going to give it a try. So immediately when yeah. we knew of the diagnosis, we began to pray to Padre Pio, because we got to visit him at San Giovanni. And oh, wow. um, we called him, and, and my brother had been prayed with the, uh, his glove, and this is before we even knew anything was, would be ahead of us. And so immediately we asked him to, to join us, and we just prayed that, that uh, the novena to the Sacred Heart that he loved so much, and mm-hmm. kept asking him, you know, that through the through the gift that the Lord gave him to um, pray and intercede for my brother. The day of mm-hmm. the surgery, we arrived at the hospital. It was like five o'clock in the morning. There was no one except us walking in. We sat, and within as we began to pray and I invoked him, the doors of the hospital flew open. And no one walked in, so I told my sister, he's here, you know? And uh, my brother was waiting, and when he was starting to go under, he heard the voice that says, do you want to come with me? And my brother says, no, I need to stay to help raise my little nephew. Mm -hmm. Um, Within four or five five hours after surgery, the doctor comes out, just like, you know what? It's a 10-pound tumor, but it was insulated Mm. and fat, Hanging from the stomach, so all I had to do was snip it. Wow! Wow! That's beautiful. Wow! That's that's incredible, and that is a beautiful witness to 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 the great saints' intercession. That's beautiful. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And what a what a testimony. I mean, that's uh, just if if we're if we're doubting that the saints have any kind of role in helping us through um, these amazing times in our lives. I mean, just. Ask, giving, giving, giving the choice, you know, do you, do you want to come with me and saying, yeah, no, I need to stay here. I have, I have responsibilities and roles here. What an amazing testimony. 
it reminds me, of course, of the words of St. Paul. You know, St. Paul in his letter speaks about his desire to be in heaven with Jesus, but he also recognized that the Lord still has a mission for him. And, and uh, Padre Pio, I, I think he would have... I think he would have confirmed that desire, and I'm sure it pleased his heart uh, and the Lord's heart, the desire to still be of service to one's family. We know, of course, you know, uh, that at times those, those, prayers, those prayers are answered in different ways, but these moments of, um, of, an ex- of a tangible experience of the Lord's providential love and mercy yeah. are great uh, um, reminders to us, especially, I would say, of the communion of saints. They're still with us, interceding for us, and we can reach back thousands of years and ask our friends, that was a great expression that the caller made, our friends to pray for us. Amen. Amen. We certainly can. San Juanita, thank you so much for the call. We're talking about and honoring St. Padre Pio today on the show as his memorial is tomorrow. And we're talking, we will be talking about specifically his his exhortation to us all to pray, hope, and don't worry. P-H-D-W, as I said, um, we need to get that going. We need to get some prayer, some hope, Amen. and not worrying going in our Catholic lives today uh, and improve upon that always. If you have a devotion to St. Padre Pio, if he's, if he's uh, through his intercession and prayers, if you've seen the Lord move in amazing ways in your own life, Please do give us a call. Let us know, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or our email address is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. We're going to head into our first break, but we've got much more of the inner life yet to come, so stay with us. We'll be back right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at RelevantRadio.com slash quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. And speaking of the app, you know, if you're listening to this as a podcast, many of our podcast listeners do listen through the app, which is great. But if you happen to listen to The Inner Life through another podcasting platform, could I ask you to do me a favor and to like, to follow or subscribe, and also to leave us a five-star review? All that will help other people who want to grow in their spiritual journey find The Inner Life. Thank you. And as with everything that we do here at Relevant Radio, we couldn't do it without you. Well, we are talking about St. Padre Pio today. Pray, hope, and don't worry with our spiritual director, Father John Paul Erickson, pastor of Transfiguration Catholic Church in Oakdale, Minnesota. Let's go back to the phones, Father. Judy is calling in from Norwalk, California. Judy, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. Hi, thank you. Um, Hi, Judy. My daughter is a Christian. Hi. My daughter is a Christian, but she's not Catholic. And her take on it, and she gives me a wonderful Bible verse, which I forgot. Um, that, you know, we're not here to suffer. God wants us mm-hmm. to be healed. So mm-hmm. I need, and she's great. She's not biased, nothing like that about Catholics, things like that. But she's really good. I mean, she's good in the Word. She's on fire. And yeah. But I need something to, you know, explain to her, like, the redemptive suffering, right? That's what it's called, right? Redemptive suffering, kind yep. of? No, that's exactly right. And it's a wonderful question. And praise God that your daughter is so on fire with Jesus and love for the Lord. That's a beautiful thing. And she's, she's, there needs to be some distinctions here. It's true. You know, the Lord has no desire for human beings. It's true in, in a very real way to suffer. Uh, and certainly not in a way that deprives us of our dignity, of our, of our fundamental rights. 
At the same time, we live in a broken world, and suffering absolutely happens. We see it all around us, and God, who is all-powerful, who certainly could stop it, he allows it. And so it raises the question, why would an all-powerful, all-good God allow us to suffer in our world? And here we have to realize that we live in a fallen world, and because of that, because our fellow human beings are broken, because our bodies are afflicted by the original sin and the fall, um, there, there will be challenges in life. The great message of the crucifixion, of course, is that God enters into these places of suffering and brings his divine presence. And the, the, the beautiful, powerful fact is that oftentimes, oftentimes we ourselves only learn how to be more compassionate, more loving, more patient by enduring suffering. Uh, and we speak about redemptive suffering, certainly in terms of offering it up for others and, and reparation for sin. That is true. But we also need to remember that part of redemptive suffering is also we will become holier through the crucible of suffering. You know, in the beginning of the book of Genesis, one of the, one of the results of the fall is that Eve, uh, in giving birth, will have birthing pains. It's right there in the book of Genesis, right there in, in the Word of God. And this is more than just a biology note. This indicates that in a fallen world, which is now what we live in, in order to bring forth life, in order to bring forth something good that lasts, you must be willing to suffer for it. Just as a mother suffers very intense pains in giving birth to her child, so too as we are, as we are stretched and pulled and learn how to love and die to self, God allows these, these instruments of disappointments, of difficulties, of challenges, so that we might grow. So that would be one angle. I, I, your, your daughter's right to bring up the point God is an all-loving father. What father wants their child to suffer? But we also must acknowledge the reality. We live in a fallen world. There is suffering in that world. God is all-powerful. God is all-good. How do we put these two things together? I think the answer is redemptive suffering. That's very good, Father. And if I can follow up with you on that, Judy, thank you so much for the call. Great question. And of course, it's a question that has plagued humanity for a long time. I mean, why, why does God allow this or why does God, uh, does God cause this? And then why does God allow this? But I, I'm going to put the screws a little bit to you here, Father. So what about yeah. with um, stigmatists? What about with like St. Yeah. Padre Pio? Given, given these wounds that, I mean, I, I was all in and receiving the stigmata, praying for it until I realized, <laughs> no, they actually hurt. <laughs> it's not just their signs, but they hurt. Yeah, um, so no, that's what, right. What about something like that? Yeah, I would say a couple of things. One is, I, I do think it's worthy of note that in, the, in this particular case with Padre Pio, mm-hmm. before receiving, and I'm trying to think through the timeline here, but certainly before receiving the stigmata, he had literally asked the Lord to be a victim soul. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's an important part of the story. You know, yeah. in some sense, he is asking for it. Now, I will also say, too, there are many sufferings that people have in their life that they sure as heck didn't ask for. You know, you mentioned the stigmata, and that's, that's obviously a, a direct divine intervention here. But let's say someone is born with, with, with a particular physical malady or, or, or later in life, even with a family, they, they are asked to carry the cross of cancer. They've done nothing wrong, nothing, everything right, and they've been given cancer. Well, allow me here, Patrick, uh, and, I, and I know I may be getting ahead of myself, but, the, but this, this touches upon so so directly the quotation of Padre Pio on, on my headband, my future headband, which will make millions of dollars. <laughs> Pray hope, but right. don't worry. Yeah. The hope part, the hope is a theological virtue. And what that means, well, it means a number of things. But one of them is 
it is fulfilled in God himself in heaven that the, the theological virtue of hope is not directed first and foremost to, boy, I hope I have a good day today. I hope that, you know, things work out at work today. I'm going to try not to worry about, you know, the anxiety that, that I'm going through with my family. All that all of that deterioration of anxiety is connected to the fundamental hope, which is God is love. God wants me in heaven with him. He has the power to do it. And he is going to use this circumstance right now to make me holy. And so as, as mysterious as this is, and as hard as this is to say, and I don't fully understand it myself, brother, is that God will allow terrible things in our life. He allows it, but he can bring awesome, great, good things out of it, too. There's a reason why some of the most powerful of saints and most remarkable of writers in the spiritual tradition speak of how we should give thanks to God when we are asked to bear our crosses. That I'm not there yet, let me tell you. I am not there yet. But why, why can they talk like that? Why can St. Paul say, I glory in my infirmities? Why can he say that? Because he's a man of hope, and he believes that the end goal, the end game is what matters, union with God. Everything else, everything else is secondary, tertiary, union with God. That is what matters. After that, come what may. And the glorious, beautiful, hopeful thing is God wants it to happen even more than we do, and he has the power to do it. Amen, Father. Wow, I'm getting a drink from the proverbial fire hose here, Father, with all the insights that you're providing here as we're, as we're talking about St. Padre Pio with our spiritual director, Padre John Paul Erickson, who is coming to us from the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis, honoring him, honoring St. Padre Pio and honoring his phrase, pray, hope, and don't worry, trying to incorporate that more into our lives. And as, I'm grateful that, uh, yeah, you brought us back to that, Lord, uh, Father, because we're, we are really, uh, we're looking to do more of that in our lives. Pray, hope, and don't mm. worry. So, I mean, prayer is something that I can choose to do. Hope seems a little bit more elusive because there are circumstances yeah. wherein, you know, it's hard for me to hope. And sometimes it just seems like these circumstances get the better of me. So how do we foster that that virtue of hope and put anxiety aside, especially when we're faced with situations in which, you know, worry just kind of naturally arises in our lives? Yeah, great question, Patrick. I do think the sequence, the sequence of that quotation matters. So the first is pray, pray and hope. And prayer flows from faith. It flows from another theological virtue, and that is the virtue of faith. And faith can be defined in many different ways, but one way that I'd like to offer today is it's a loving trust in God. I lovingly trust in what God tells me, and I, and I believe in what he reveals to me through the scriptures, through tradition, through the teaching of the church, because it is God who reveals it, and a God who is a loving Father. And that, that relationship with God as Father, and as beloved, and as friend, that must always be the center and core of our life. The, the prayer, you know, certainly Padre Pio, certainly, was, was, a, was a major proponent of beautiful rote prayers. One of the previous callers spoke about the beautiful litany of the Sacred Heart, and Padre Pio was a huge devotee of the Rosary. Yeah. But we must make certain that our prayers are prayers from the heart, in the sense of a crying out of love, a response of faithful love to God. And we need to continually battle for that because what is connected to that deeper faith, loving trust in Jesus, Jesus, I trust in you, is hope. So uh, I don't want to get too complicated here, but 
faith is, is, is a, an intellectual virtue. In other words, we receive the revelation of, of God and we believe it. We accept it intellectually. We make, it, we make an assent. I trust that this is true. I trust that this is true, that you love me, God. And the virtue of hope is very much connected to the will. So the will is inflamed and reaches out to what it sees as the good. And the good is God the Father, the union with God. And the reason why we can hope for something which we are incapable of doing on our own, incapable, is because God gives the power. Now, connected to the daily anxieties and troubles of life, I think it's important to point out here that anxiety is a physiological phenomenon. Uh, it's, it's, and worry is, is very physiological. We experience it in the body, in the flesh. Yeah. And so there's a part of this, Patrick, that we have to acknowledge. Many people will grapple with, they could be the greatest saint on earth, but they will still have some of that physiological effects. My goodness, I'm, I'm quick to point out, Jesus himself, Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane sweats blood. You don't sweat blood because you're feeling great, okay? Right. You sweat blood because you are experiencing some level of anxiety. Well, here is the God-man himself. Uh, and so let's just get out of the way an unrealistic expectation that I'm anxious or I'm, 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 I'm worried, I'm worried about things because I'm not a person of faith or my faith is not strong enough. Hogwash. I know many moms who worry deeply about their kids, yeah. and they are women of tremendous prayer. The, the, the distinction here, I think, plays into the point that uh, do we allow those daily anxieties to overwhelm us? And do we allow them to overwhelm us because we see the natural end, which, which is being frustrated here, as our final end? We have to keep things in perspective. So my worrying for a loved one, a child, a spouse, this is natural and a consequence of loving someone. But does it debilitate us? Does it, does it make us withdraw from our daily duties? Does it keep us, does it rob us of, our, of, that, of that fundamental deep ember-like joy yeah. that okay. is within us because God is with us and doing something even now? Yeah. Well, and I think that's that's an excellent point, Father, because um, it is just that, isn't it? That worry can can uh, you know we can have a concern, we can even have a, a, a tightness of our of our spirit, so to speak, where we're um, facing whatever it is that we're facing with it. It seems to be constantly there. It's causing perhaps a bit of stress, but when it starts to take over and starts yep. to um, become our chief focus instead of union with God, as you said. That's when we run into some really significant problems, and the the enemy is having his way. Then it seems. In those Amen. It makes us a slave. I mean, yeah. I mean it makes us a slave, and right. and we can be enslaved by so many different things: our our desires, our our fears, and our worries. And but again, I think it's important to diagnose it. Where why do we get anxious? Why do we worry? Because we perceive some good in our life is being frustrated, or or has the potential to be frustrated. Well. You know, we have to again and again remind ourselves of the grace of the Spirit. Uh, my final end in my life is union with God. That, that's, that's the end game here. And, you know, you mentioned how it, how it can be difficult to be, to be people of hope in the midst of worries and anxieties. Amen to that. This is why we need to remember that the Christian hope is not optimism. It's not, it's not you know, to be Pollyannish. Uh, it's a theological virtue, which not only means it has its end God, but it comes from God, too. Uh, so the virtues of faith, hope, and charity, uh, they all are given to us, at least in seed form, in our baptism. They come yeah. from God. 
And we have to ask God for an increase in theological hope, in theological hope. Our temperament, our tendency to worry or not worry, you know, in some sense, it's kind of what the cards have been given to us. We, we have to constantly work through those things and examine, am I worrying about the right things or the wrong things? But most important is to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus, who is our goal and who gives us the power to get that goal. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And uh, since you already made the reference to Obi-Wan Kenobi, Father, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to come back to you on that. Well, okay, so almost serious anyway, is that, uh, you know, throughout throughout the movies, if you're a Star Wars fan, then certainly you've seen um, how the Jedi tend to be kind of, they re- they maintain their calm even in the midst of some very pressing yeah. circumstances. Yes, well, have I. Yes, have I. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to be Yoda there. I'm sorry. That was, a, that was a bad reference. Beg your pardon. Beg your pardon. Sorry. No, I love it. I love it. But, I mean, but there really is, I mean, in that there is, I mean, there's this way in which we can... Um, rely so fully on the provision of the Lord that um, even the most unsettling circumstances, it seems to me that the saints model this well. Jesus, of course, models it well, asleep on a cushion while there's a storm going yeah, on around that's him. That's right, right, exactly. Um, yep. But that's that's exactly, uh, that's exactly what we're asked and invited into, is not to say, again, not to say that these things are not concerning, not to trivialize them, not to, you know, make them less than what they are. Even in the most dire of circumstances, though, there are still, there's always hope in God. That's right. And remember that, that the Jedi or, or the Buddhist monk or, or any other figure that we look upon in literature or in real life that, that maintains their, their, their calmness of spirit, uh, you know, that, that is fundamentally achieved by a human effort. Christian, it's not achieved by human effort. Our, our calm, our, our tranquility of spirit, the fruit of peace, and of peacefulness and of being peacemakers, that all flows from Jesus, from the indwelling of the Trinity. And that, that's liberating. This is not our work, you know. Uh, there are many, you know, there, there are many writings, uh, you know, my gosh, you think about what's, you know, so, some of the, the Stoics of the, of the Roman Empire, I, th- I think, you know, what uh, Cicero perhaps, I, don't, I, I think that's right, speaks about the need, you know, for self-control, well, yes, that's true, but that only goes so far, and that's going to break eventually. Mm-hmm. What doesn't break is the presence of Jesus and the power of the Spirit. We rely upon the power of the Spirit to fulfill this profound and liberating end. It's liberating, liberating to live for, for heaven, liberating to live for Jesus, because it allows us to, 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 to spiritually put our head above the trees and to, and to see the forest and the end of the forest and where we're walking. Otherwise, we're going to get completely drowned by the, by the challenges of life, and they will come. And the, the water will rise, and it will wash away the house not built upon rock. But if we can build that rock upon, build our house, uh, and that the peacefulness that a house represents, you know, uh, if, we, if we can build it upon faith, faith in Jesus, loving trust, then uh, our, life will, our life will be happier. Uh, it, it will be happier, even if it involves more physical sufferings or even emotional sufferings. It will objectively be happier. Yeah. Amen. Our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life is Father John Paul Erickson from the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis. We are honoring Padre Pio, whose memorial is tomorrow. We're talking about how to pray, hope, and don't worry. What does that mean in your everyday spiritual life if you have... Either a story of Padre Pio's intercession and how that's helped you in your spiritual life or a way in which his 
his exhortation to pray, hope, and don't worry has fleshed itself out in the way that you have lived your life in, in a specific situation. We'd love to hear about it. 888-914-9149, 914 Our email address is relevantradio.com. we got more to come with The Inner Life. We'll be back right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com slash quest. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you to our producer, Nick Sentovich, who uh, has been picking up the theme uh, uh, okay, of our of our discussion about St. Padre Pio. Um, we got some. Yeah, we got some Jedi music underneath here for us. So um, <laughs> grateful to John Williams you, for Nick. composing thank that. You. Yeah. Thank you, Nick. And thanks to young Thomas, too. Thomas Angusser, who's on the phones for us today. Hey, uh, before we get back into the topic, just a reminder, the National Eucharistic Congress is coming up next July, so please start preparing for it now. And one way you can do that, an excellent way you can do that, is through Relevant Radio's Eucharistic Encounters. It's a collection of short stories about the real presence, the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist told by Father Rocky himself. There's 33, going to be 33 stories in all, and you receive a new video each week. You can sign up for this absolutely free video series at relevantradio.com slash encounter. That's relevantradio.com slash encounter. Check it out. Great videos up there, including one up right now about a fishing trip. I think you'll enjoy it. Well, again, we're talking about St. Padre Pio here on The Inner Life today, and we are talking about uh, his his phrase, pray, hope, and don't worry about how we do that. We're talking that about all of this stuff with our spiritual director, Father John Paul Erickson, pastor of Transfiguration Catholic Church in Oakdale, Minnesota. Let's take a phone call. Let's go now to Mary calling in in Sarasota, Florida. Good afternoon, Mary. Thanks for calling in. I wanted to let you know that in Sarasota, we have a Padre Pio huge bronze statue. We have a drop of his blood. And one of our parishioners came from Italy and is a spiritual child of Padre Pio's. Hmm, Beautiful. That's beautiful. Have you have, and have you visited that that shrine uh, there too? It's my Mary? parish. It's your parish. Oh, oh. very nice. Oh. <laughs> well, Mary, let me just say, you, they come to Sarasota. That's wonderful. What's the name of the parish? Our Lady Queen of Martyrs. All right, very good. It's a wonderful title. My gosh, what a great title for a parish too. That's beautiful. Well, I uh, I love I love your state. I love the state of Florida. And next time I'm in Sarasota, I will stop by and, and pay my respects to, to the good Padres. So thanks for letting us know, Mary. Yeah, appreciate it, Mary. And, uh, Father, I'm sure you'll be wearing your PHDW headband when you go there as well. Yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, and along with my Jedi robes. I mean, I'll be the headband <laughs> and the robes. It'd yeah. Be sweet. It uh, uh, <laughs> would be sweet. All right, let's go on now to Kathy calling in from Westfield, New Jersey. Kathy, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling. Oh, hello, Father and Patrick. Thanks for the call. Okay. Um, my question is simply, um, if, we're, if we have an, an intention and we're praying to um, Padre Pio for that intention, should we not, would one not pray to other, like an, other novenas or other saints for the same intention or just, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, it's, a good, 
Yeah, no, it's a good question, Kathy. It's a very good question. I, I, I certainly think that now that Padre Pio is a canonized saint, I, I would say that it's less important to kind of kind of exclude other saints when we're, we're, we're working for a particular intention, working is the wrong word, and we're praying for it. The only reason to make that distinction is because one of the advantages, if, if someone has not yet reached canonization or even beatification or the venerable in the stages of being declared a saint, it's, it's oftentimes a part of that process that people who have miraculous healings or, or whatever, if they've been specifically and uniquely praying through the intercession of a particular saint with, with no other saints invoked, there's kind of a, there's, there's a real connection there. We can point and say, well, we, we invoked Padre Pio for this, and that can be added to the file of their cause for canonization. I think it's less important once they've reached the altars, which certainly Padre Pio has. So I don't think there's any harm at all in, in diversifying our, our, our prayer portfolio. Uh, <laughs> At, at, at the same time, the same time, you know, uh, Saint Padre Pio is a very powerful saint, and and I would be I'd I'd be loath to say, you know, yeah, you, you have to bring in some reinforcements or something. I think if if a saint is in heaven, they're a very powerful intercessor, and I think part of friendship with them is bringing them into the struggles of our daily life, and so I I, I would have no qualms about about invoking other saints certainly none but i also you know it, i i don't i think we want to get away from the idea that it's going to add power to our prayer um that's an idea too that i want to avoid so great question mm. yeah very good i appreciate kathy the the phone call and the good question that we want to um i, I i'll have to keep that in mind father that diversify our prayer portfolio <laughs> i think that's uh i think that's exactly what we'll look to do so thank you kathy for the question let's go now to paul calling in from milwaukee wisconsin paul welcome to the inner life thanks for calling in oh thank you thank you father john uh i got a couple a couple things here i i was doing a state sale that uh, advertised that they had relics when i was there i didn't see any but i did buy a bible and i found this what I think is possibly a relic in this Bible. Uh, it's a little prayer card uh, from Italy that's in a uh, solid plastic envelope, and it's a little eighth, about an eighth inch by eighth inch uh, piece of cloth. And oh, sure. uh, I okay. take it along when I go to I take it along when I go to confession, uh, and, and when I go to mass because I've got I think. Uh, I got a card here. It's the prayer uh, of Padre Pio after communion. It's very oh, beautiful. Powerful. And uh, that's great. Part of it, part of it, he's talking about the, you know, he thinks he's at the end of uh, his life. You know, the dark mm. coming into eternity, and that's it's wow. And yeah, I don't know if you want to comment on that? And one more thing before I hang up is uh, one time I heard Father Pio was being ostracized for being too catholic i think mm. so he, he 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 submitted to the authorities and kind of went underground kind of but uh is that something you're aware of yeah it's a great question paul excellent and, and by the way i think it's a beautiful practice to bring that card it sounds lovely and i wonder if it might be one of these um situations where perhaps a piece of cloth was touched maybe to Padre Pio's tomb or uh, a piece of his, of his, of his body, perhaps even two things I would say, um, uh, uh, gosh, I'm so sorry. I was, I'm thinking about the second question. So maybe I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll dive into that one first. Um, 
I, I think, and I want to be very respectful here of, of where people are at, but I do think that we need to be very careful about co-opting uh, any saint for our own particular causes. And I fear that at times St. Padre Pio is oftentimes used as sort of an example, again, uh, of someone who had real challenges with particular decisions of, of church authorities but, but went along. That part, I think, is beautiful and good. Uh, but we also need to remember that you know, he, he was, because he was a miracle worker and because he had this mystical phenomenon of the stigmata, um, there was really kind of a, if I can use the phrase, kind of a craze during his time, a craze where people were, were drawn to him, almost like a rock star. And I, and I mean that, just kind of these crowds. And the Vatican and the authorities rightly, rightly wanted to make sure that everything was on the up and up, because when we're dealing with things such as apparitions or spiritual phenomenon, we can be led astray in, in a very, very uh, subtle way, but a very important way that we need to be aware of. And Padre Pio, you know, subjected himself to that. And again, it's a sign of his, of his, um, of his humility. He, I wouldn't say that he ever was ostracized for being too Catholic. I, I would not put it that way. You know, one point I just want to bring up here to spell some, some misunderstandings. It's oftentimes said that at the end of his life, and he died in 1968, he had kind of a refusal to celebrate, you know, the new order of Mass. And that's just not the case. As, as I understand it, the reason why Padre Pio never celebrated what we call the Novus Ordo is because he was too old. The man was, was 80 years old, going blind, and there was a general indult for clergy of that age uh, you know, to continue to use the, the Mass and the prayers that they had memorized. Uh, there's a wonderful letter, wonderful letter that, that uh, Padre Pio wrote to P- Paul VI, uh, affirming his great love for the Pope. This is, he wrote to Paul VI affirming his great love for him and, and, and his admiration for Humani Vitae and saying, I'm offering him my sufferings for you and what you're enduring in this time. But he there in that letter indicated clearly his great, his great uh, filial love for the Pope. And that I, I, I think we got to remember that too. You know, Padre Pio cannot be co-opted as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a, a figurehead for a movement that he never would have supported. The movement he stands for Love of Jesus, love of the church, suffer well, get to confession often, say your prayers, be humble, be holy. Um, so I don't think he ever was ostracized for being too Catholic. Uh, he, the church, in her wisdom, needs to examine thoroughly so-called spiritual phenomenon that can very easily lead people astray. And Padre Pio understood that, and he subjected himself to it out of love for the church and her shepherds. So many great things that we have talked about. Paul, thank you for the call and thank you for the question. And Father, it's just been a fascinating and fantastic conversation we've had with you today. Thank you so much for being our spiritual director. We've come to the end, though, and we would love a blessing from you, Father, before you go. Absolutely. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth earth. through the intercession of St. Padre Pio. May Almighty God bless all of your listeners. God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, If you have a devotion to St. Padre Pio or know someone else who does or should, feel free to go over to relevantradio.com slash inner life, listen to the show again, share it with those who would like to hear it. I think they will get uh, as much out of it. I hope they get as much out of it as I did. Coming up next, of course, is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass with our celebrant, Father Kevin Ripley. On Monday, we're going to be talking about overcoming scrupulosity with our spiritual director, Father Chris Stubna. So grateful that you joined us. Remember to check out relevantradio.com slash encounter for some great fuel for the Eucharistic Congress. Until then, grace and peace.